When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, hope everyone's doing very well out there. Thank you guys so much for joining me today on the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator, the podcast where we love, live, and of course work with dogs. Today, we have a online session uh, with an individual that is dealing with their dog being extraordinarily fearful of uh, literally everything, uh, a bee or a, a fly in the room to car doors to the normal things of fireworks and things like that. And we walk through the process of some of the things of why you should correct, when you should correct, what collars to use, what tools to use, when to not use things. Um, and there's a lot of like gray area talk, which is nice because it gives people a lot of different flavors on what to do as well as introducing new people um, that the dog is fearful of and all that stuff. So it's a really great uh, session, online session. And I'm excited to, to, to present it to you guys today. And I appreciate you guys listening again. And I want to thank my friends over at Dogtra.com. Dogtra is the e-collars that I talk about here on the podcast as well as use on my YouTube channel. It's the only e-collar that we use currently. And I uh, have a discount code for you guys. You guys can use this on all of your purchases on Dogtra.com. You can use the discount code NBD10 to receive 10% off your entire purchase on Dogtra.com. And again, we're doing giveaways on the podcast when this is posted. You guys screenshot it on your phones, share it with me on Instagram, tag me, and I will pick somebody in 24 hours after this is posted to do a giveaway of uh, online sessions like you're hearing or No Bad Dog merch and so on and so forth. So anyway, here we go with the podcast, guys. Hello, how are you? Good, how you doing? I'm good, hanging in there in New Jersey. Josie, cool. Yep, the, one of the epicenters. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Uh, where, uh, what's your first name? Deanne. Deanne. Okay, cool. All right, Deanne. Um, what do you got going on? So I have, um, I rescued a dog. His name is Relish. He's five. He's about to be six. They said he was a dash hound mix, but I did, um, the DNA test. It came back like ship, pimple mm -hmm. and chihuahua. I've had him since he's 12 weeks old. Um, they rescued him from Tennessee and they put him like on a transport mm -hmm. tractor trailer mm -hmm. from Tennessee all the way to Connecticut. And then I picked him up in Connecticut. So basically the issues that I'm having is he's like extremely fearful, like to the point where he'll be hiding under the bed all day. Um, he hides under the table. I know that there's certain things that, I attribute fear to when it comes to other people um, because there has been two incidents with nipping in the past. So I know like when 
I'm around that I'm a contributor, Mm -hmm. but there's other times Mm -hmm. when we're just sitting in the house and noises like the refrigerator fan kicking on ice, the ice maker starting in the freezer, like those things will set him off to like a complete panic. So like, I just want to make the day, like, I understand like, and where I live, they set fireworks off all the time. Mm. I live Mm. across the street from the lake. So you can hear like the boats and the jet skis, like that gets a little loud and storms. Like I know those are big triggers for him, but I want to have tips for the small things like the ice maker and daily noises that he hears to try to help better his life a little bit. Yeah. Got so, it. um, like I'm not sure of what I'm supposed to do. Am I, I'm supposed to let him hide in his like places that he likes and let him be comfortable. Or am I supposed to close the bedroom? Like when he's in pure panic mode, there's no, mm-hmm. like he's in the bathtub, like burrowing in the bathtub. But like for the, ice maker and stuff it's like little shakes so i just didn't know what i should do for those types of things yeah it's tough um when you get a dog that's that afraid of things that they shouldn't be afraid of it's it's challenging and it's frustrating for yourself and the dog of course so um yeah we can walk through this process and kind of go over some things that hopefully will put you into the right direction and get him more he said said his name is relish right yep cool so with Relish, um, you he's five years old. You've had him since 12 weeks, and mm-hmm. he's, he's afraid of everything. Yeah, so, like, this is the first dog I've ever had, so I'm, you know, mm. kind of didn't, like, know what to do. When I first got him, I was working from home, so I was around all the time. Then I had to go into work. Then my ex and I broke up. So there's been, like, not consistency with him, so he's definitely not had, yeah. like, a normal routine. And I work a lot, so he's always with my, like, he'll be at my house when I'm home, or he'll be with my stepdad and my mom down the road when I'm at work. But I've had, um, within the past year, I've had dog walkers that take him. Like, he was kind of not good with them in the beginning, but they're in the mindset, like, give me the leash and he'll be fine. And he does well with pack walks with them. They take him to places to build his confidence, like Home Depot and their that's backyard good. and let them run around their dogs. So he does well with them in that sense. Yeah, that's good. That's great. So right now you're just, you're really working on how to gain confidence with random things throughout the day in general. I think I'm seeing it more now since I've been home for three months. And I guess I just didn't realize it was like as bad as it is. So I just didn't like, I've been watching your videos. I found you on YouTube within the past couple of weeks so I, I've been working on commands like place and stuff like that. So I didn't know if like when he gets in these nervous modes, am I supposed to like try to get him into like let him know that the place is the comfort zone and get him, you know, to feel comfortable. I'm just not kind of sure what to do. Sure. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, so right now, what are you doing when he reacts? So say, let's say the, the refrigerator, refrigerator goes off or the ice maker and he jumps and gets afraid what are you doing i just let him go into his safe i've been doing a mixture of letting him go to his safe space under the like the bed where it is or Mm -hmm. there's been times where i've shut the door so he can't get in there and he'll just stand and stare at it for a while and then eventually he'll give up and then just lay down in the living room okay all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna start working around some of these things and like i said when you're dealing with like very weird type of tendencies like this um 
you know, there is there are there are some things you you can do and there's things you can't control because, like you said, like if the like for an example, the other night, same thing happened to me. My neighbors lit off a firework and it like went right over my house and I, I, I jumped out of bed. My dogs jumped into bed. You know, they were one of my dogs is really afraid of these things. And so it, it, those things, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, my other neighbor yelled at my neighbor. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. But, um, but the point is, is like, there's certain things, you know, ambulances, fire trucks, neighbors, fireworks, you know, neighboring neighborhoods with big fireworks, things you can't control. Uh, and I think people deal with this on a regular basis and it's, it is, it is tough. So what I would do is a couple of different things is first thing is, is do the best you can to create more confidence in the dog in general. So just getting the dog to be a little bit more confident in general would be the first step. And ways of doing that is obedience. Um, even if your dog already knows obedience, just doing things together to just like with, you know, um, with with confidence in humans it's similar where if if you as your person like in your mind if you said hey i'm going to do this today no matter what it is and you don't do it that's a really quick way to ruin self-confidence judge judging by all the the ringleaders of of the world of how to build confidence and and really build self-esteem and i'm really big on just behavior in general both with human and dogs and i study them both or i i try to study them both as much as i can and I know that that's like one of the big things with people is just doing things and then following through. So having an exercise with your dog to do new things. So if your dog is great at obedience or not, you should start that process of teaching your dog new things. So, okay, relish, place, good place, down, good down, stay, good stay. So over time, you'll you'll develop a better relationship and hopefully build more confidence and relish at at that level. It seems... Those two do correlate. It might not seem it like exteriorly of like how would how would doing basic obedience with my dogs help my dog become more confident? And it's really about the dog winning certain things. You know, when we talk about confidence and not only working dogs, police dogs, government, um, uh, military dogs, but in pet dogs too. Of like, if they win something, they gain confidence to where they're gonna do it again. And um, and so it's the same thing with with pet dogs and just basic obedience. And then the other thing is is if they don't know some basic obedience like place, sit, down, stay, heel, break, whatever, enter, you know, what X, Y, and Z, it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, that's another good way to start building confidence in a dog. And, and it kind of correlates with people too where you say, hey, do this, and then they do it, and you go, yay, good job. And they go, oh, that felt good. Like that was nice. I mean, just getting rewarded for anything is nice, I think, um, on both ends of the spectrum of people and, and dogs. So that's one thing I would start doing. Do you have Do you have a lot of obedience with your dog yet, um, or not really? Um, like he's been to um, puppy preschool obedience one once, obedience one again, and obedience two. Mm-hmm. I've done some private sessions, but there's times where he just like completely shuts down. Like you can tell, like not there. Like we'll just like like he'll just stare off like no won't give me eye contact at all will turn his head and stuff like that so mm-hmm. and when i bring him to these classes he'll just like hide under the chair right and so that's that's what i mean i'm glad that you mentioned that because that's the other thing i was going to say is you will see a direct correlation with obedience and a dog because so, there is a difference in this is the fine line we're going to be talking about is a dog being like nah i'm kind of freaked out by that versus a dog like 
you know, really afraid in the bathtub of scraping to get deeper to get away from, you know, the noises. So that's like like it's a, like a fly in here will set him off. Like if he sees a fly in the house, it's mm-hmm. like full blown shakes. Yeah. So like those types of things, like I said, it's hard to it's hard to like understand and it's hard to you can't correct it because it doesn't make any sense to do that. You don't really want to say, hey, buddy, it's okay, because then you're kind of like layering over confusion of verbalization of you talking to him, which will make him more stressed potentially. So those types of things we'll talk about um, further on. But developing a, a more confident dog from the base is is what I want to talk about. And you kind of just mentioned that where you have a dog that even in obedience class is like not necessarily terrified of things, but is like, I don't want to do it like that's a confidence thing. It's just like with kids, um, you know, when they're when you bring them to first grade, kindergarten, whatever, anything. I mean, the clown, uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, Mickey Mouse, whatever, you name it. They're like, no, nah, I don't want to. I, that that kind of freaks me out. So there's certain things that, you know, your dog should be, I guess, respectfully afraid of, like fireworks. That's, that's freaky. Yeah. Um, flies, not so much. So going back to the obedience portion of it, just make sure that, you're you're pushing your dog through these certain boundaries to create that confidence because right now if they're you, you don't want to enable your dog to escape every single uncomfortable thing that comes about you know what i mean yeah like i'm fine like i don't want to say i'm fine with but i accept and i know that other people have problems with storms and fireworks and things it's just like the an ice mate there's sometimes there's noises that I can't even hear and he just like sets off and I just I'm not I don't want to coddle it but I don't want his life to constantly be hiding under a bed so it's just I just struggle with the fine line of what to do yeah no doubt I understand completely um and and I get that but like I said um that's where you want to start is just developing um even if okay so let's just take away all the freaky stuff that your dog is afraid of chances are if your dog wasn't terrified of these weird things he would still be very insecure you may you may be just you know he may just wear it in a different outlet you may be calling me and saying hey my dog won't walk on a leash or my dog won't yeah you know whatever but the point is is across the board your dog is needs more uh, a couple things needs more exposure desensitization confidence building and more things to do. So the more things that your dog have to do, like in their in their category, their catalog, if you will, of things to do, brain games, uh, again, like heel, sit, down, like all that obedience stuff isn't just to coexist with your dog better and more, um, you know, uh, I guess, like happier or uh, whatever, but it's it's also to just get your dog to do work to do something yeah to to occupy his mind and Mm -hmm. to make him think because you could tell like when i have been doing the place and stuff with him you can tell he'll get exhausted from like trying to figure out what it is i'm asking that's what i mean that's what i mean is it it, and sometimes too just like with people and again it's hard to say but generally speaking historically speaking if you allow your dog to to like kind of think about things all day you know you create that anxiety of like what if what if what if what's that what's this what are we doing what's that smell what's that sound what's that noise then the dog will self-isolate and kind of self-destruct every day and so the more the more things you can get him to do throughout the day um, not only exercising and demonstrating the things that he already knows his pre-existing behaviors and obedience but as well as teaching him new things that will really really help his confidence because it'll give you something to do with him mentally same thing with your 
dog walker, your your stepdad and, and your mom, and just say, hey, do these things throughout the day. And they may find it really fun to do and just getting him to do something because at the end of the day, like I know that if I am on calls and emails and filming and running and exercising, I sleep better and I'm calmer at night than if I'm yeah. you know, drinking coffee and not doing much <laughs> throughout the day. And I think that you can – yeah, you can wear that however you want. But the point is, is the more we have to do, and the more stuff we do, the more unwound we become, especially with animals. And and it's again, I I correlate a lot of things to 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 child psychology because it 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 really makes sense for us uh, to think about it that way in in a human form. And it's the same thing with kids. Like you bring them to, you know, the to the park and they run around for three hours with their friends in the hot sun. They're gonna sleep forever. You know, they get tired. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing with dogs. It's just giving them something to do. Giving them acti- activities both mentally and physically is big. So that's the other thing I want to talk about too So um, is the physical activity. So with the mental stuff, that's something that you have to really audit yourself of what does my dog know well um, and what, is, what are they not and what can you teach him. Um, so you can kind of figure that out on your own, but I would do at least five or six basics and exercise it throughout the day. Give him a job, give him something to do would help a lot, especially if you know, um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is like anticipatory, um, type of meltdowns, like 4th of July, Memorial day, um, you know, things like that we'll talk about in the future. But, um, anyway, the point is, is do those things. But the other big thing with that um, in correlation or in conjunction with would be your physical exercise. So lots of walks, uh, running around as much as you can, you know, it's a, it's a smaller dog. So, um, you don't need as much exertion as like a bigger, you know, great, not, not great Dane, but like a Vishla or a Wymanheimer or lab that maybe needs like two hours of straight constant running, where if you have like a smaller dog or a medium sized dog, you can get away with, you know, really running them um, in the in the in the yard or uh, on a walk or running yourself with the dog or whatever your cup of tea is, if you will. Um, but that yep. that physical exercise is really really big for all dogs, not just dogs with anxiety or um, fear based uh, behavior, but every single dog needs that physical, even if it's and it's it's always like breed dependent. Um, and a lot of times it's environmental dependent too. Like today here is probably a hundred degrees. My St. Bernard is going to go out to go bathroom and back in, right? He's not going to go for a walk today, uh, or tonight or even this morning. Cause it's just too hot. Um, and, yep. and they don't want to either. And then, you know, my Dutch shepherd, forget about it. I mean, she's ready to play all day, uh, <laughs> running around. So, um, how much physical exercise is he getting currently? So now that I've been home, like I can take him on a three mile trail every day. That's right behind my house. But that's another. So another question that I wanted to ask is about um, the the collar. And then on that trail that we go to, and that's my mom's house is right down the road from mine. There's a shooting range somewhere around here. So Relish can hear those gunshots. And that's like another thing that sets him off. So we'll go onto the trail. He'll hear the gunshots start to like buck and back up. I've been walking him on the Martingale collar. I can do a pop pop and then he'll start to continue to walk with me. Like, and then I'll say, good boy, good boy. Cause then he'll start to come. 
But like there's other times where it's like full shut down, like that's it, I'm going the other way. So I just don't know how much do I push the limit with him. Right. It's a great like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Super. Um, definitely. I understand. So um again, like there's a there's a gray area, there's a fine line between like, hey, you know, like let's do this versus like, okay, I think you're, you know, actively like shutting down. So um what I would do is again, like try to desensitize him to these things and getting him exposed to these things the best you can. And like I said, there are certain things in a dog's life that no matter how much exposure, desensitization, positive reinforcement, whatever that you throw at them, they're just never going to be okay with it. And, you know, gunshots and things, basically big booms in the sky or out of nowhere, dogs don't like. Fireworks. And like, I think that's what he hears when the wave runners, like when a wave runner hits like the, yeah. the, the out water. on the lake, he can hear that. Or if there's a hammer, somebody's hammering. That sets him off. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's like those types of things. Yep. But the question with the, so I had taken him, one of the trainers that we had gone to, he does military dog training and he's the one that recommended um, the Martingale for him and taught me the pop pop. Mm -hmm. He was not against slip collars because he was recommending, oh, not slip, um, prong collars because he was recommending that towards other people to use for their dogs but said for me not to use it on him i don't know if it's because he's so anxious so i wanted to get your opinion on that and i see your video on slip collars relish will pull like on the martingale sometimes the pop pop works i know that you're saying it when you do your slip collar that applies more pressure and gets their attention more so so i wanted to see if that would be something instead of a prong that I could use to when he still defies the martingale. Yeah, I would agree. Um, probably that the martingale is kind of like a hybrid between the slip and the prong. It uh, kind of, uh, it, it applies pressure for sure. If a dog, you know, pulls and tries to get, so if you're walking with relish and he tries to pull back or try to escape, you still have pressure on him. So you're still able to give him, some sort of physical pressure without him completely backing out of the collar and or without him, you know, trying to run away and you not put any pressure on him. Because if he had a regular flat collar on, and even if he couldn't get out of that flat collar, he could still try to, like, back out of that collar um, or yep. or just try to run away and there was no pressure. So I would agree that the um, the the Martingale is, is probably a good safe bet. Um, it's fair. It applies pressure without too much correction because what you don't want to do is get a dog. And again, it's kind of like that, that gray area too, because I've taken dogs that I can kind of read and I'm like, are you being a brat or are you really nervous? You know, and for dogs who are yeah. just like, nah, I'm not doing it. You know, prong collar is really nice to just be like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. And they accept that pressure and they respect it. And then, and then we're off to the races. But with him, it sounds like he's actually like really, really terrified. So I would agree with the Martingale collar um, and using that for your pressure system um, and and using that on your walks is is a good idea. Yeah. And that one, do you because when on your videos, the slip collar that goes like higher up behind the ears, is the Martingale supposed to be that high? Like um, fitted that high? Not really, because the Martingale's yeah. the Martingale's mostly a flat collar that you can add pressure yeah. to it. So not necessarily. Um, you don't want your flat collar or your every because the Martingale should really be like your everyday collar. It's like the safest collar to use. So you really don't want okay. that like, you know, 
tight and high all the time like a training collar. Um, but definitely tight enough to where it's not, you know, it's it's effective and he's still getting pressure. So there's times where he does listen to the Martingale collar, like on the trail that's behind my house. There's nobody really on it. It's like meant to go to like a cell tower. So it's literally mm-hmm. just me and him and the gunshot. So that's kind of like my go to spot because then because he also sometimes will be reactive when other dogs are walking towards us on the leash or like. Um, I just went walking with my mom this weekend for like this five mile thing. And he pulled the whole way. Like my hands were literally just like almost raw because he's 25 pounds, but he's taken me down before. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) and again, that kind of goes back to you being a leader and creating like a balanced uh, relationship with him as well as building, building confidence because, you know, and again, it's like that gray area and that's where, it's hard and difficult sometimes, but I would be really working on, you can, you can kind of toggle between two different collars. You can use the prong collar when you're out and you're working on, um, basic obedience in an environment where you're not going to have like super, super freak out stuff where it's fair. So you can teach him that like, Hey dude, you're not in charge. And I am because I find that I find that a lot of dogs who are like, uh, relish and what you're talking about, um, the majority of them really suffer from lack of leadership from somebody. So yep. either, either it's created from lack of leadership and or it's worsened yep. um, from the lack of leadership. So anyway, the point is, is I, I would I would definitely suggest you starting to, to really take control and take over uh, as much as you can to to make sure that you're actually like supplying him with what he needs as far as, yep. um, you know, leadership guidance, um, all that, you know, all that stuff. Um, but that's something that I would suggest highly getting out and te- okay. teaching him heal, teaching him, um, you know, all your basics, but reinforcing it because you don't want him to feel like he can escape at any time, you know, when he feels a little nervous. Because it's it's like it's not enjoyable. It's like that no. when he gets like that, it's just like I, you know. And those slip collar, the slip ones that you wear high, could would that be something that yeah. I could do yep. at first instead of a prong? Yep, absolutely. And you and you can have a backup to that. I watched your video. I ordered the paracord because I'm going to make it when it comes. And can you back that up like you do a slip collar in case it breaks yep. that then he's on the mar- martingale? Yep, absolutely. Any okay. any type of any type of uh, collar you can back up with a safety clip. Okay. Yep. So that you know, you... I just wanted to, I just wanted to get your advice. I didn't know because the guy it wasn't like he was against slip collar. I mean, prong ones because he was recommending them to other people in the class, but he just said not on him. So then I just wasn't sure. Yeah. So I just wanted to get. Yeah, and I would I would agree to the majority of that. Um, you know, especially if he gets into those situations where he's trying to run away, and you you know you correct him for it, and then it kind of puts him in a freakout mode, and that happens. And that's the thing with like anything that you do. You know, with anything, there's always that potential gray area of like, oh well, yeah, you definitely. I mean, use it for eighty five percent of the stuff. It's going to help you a lot, but like this percentage of the stuff, like don't use it for that. And I would say, generally speaking, for you, like getting him into a training scenario, maybe in a non distracted area, um, and using the prong collar to to really reestablish like a lot of um, situational things with him, environmental things, get him more confident. I remember 
this one time I had this little Yorkshire Terrier come in. She was older. She was like eight or ten. She was abused. Um, she basically like had all of her teeth ripped out because they bred her and they didn't want her to bite. So just just you know really crummy people um, in this company or I'm sorry this couple adopted her and she was really sweet to to one owner but not the she was really sweet to the female but not the male. Um, and long story short, this dog was very fearful, probably abused. Well, definitely ab- abused, neglected, um, just, you know, not a good life. And I remember I was working with this dog and it was so tough to break through. And I put this little prong collar on. I have a, it's on my YouTube channel. It's dated a couple years ago. Um, but I put the prong collar on the dog and she got that correction once and she turned around and she walked up to me and laid in my lap and slept. It was a very monumental part of my career. Um, It was awesome to have it on film. It was awesome as an advocate for prong collars and tools in general that they can be administrated in the right way. And when they do, it's game-changing for not only the owners but the, uh, the dogs as well. So anyway, I would agree that most cases with relish, I would be using some sort of martingale or slip collar that doesn't have too much of, because really what it comes down to is some dogs are super sensitive and others, others aren't. So you may get a dog, you correct them on the prong and they're like, what, you know, and then you may get a prong on another dog and they're very, just like with people. I mean, I know, I know people that can, you know, it's all about thresholds and every single dog, just like every person's threshold is different on many different levels. How much you can eat, how much you can drink, how much you can stand getting yelled at, how much you can run, how much. I mean, there's so every single person has their own thresholds and dogs are the same way. So the sensitivity level um, it, for the majority of times with tools, that's what it comes down to is what you what you may or may not use. It's not applicable to, to e-collars because e-collars is a kind of like a, a one size fits all. You can find your dog's level. Um, but like with prong collars and stuff, sometimes dogs are a little bit too sensitive in certain situations. So anyway, so you have to like navigate through those paths and you know, that's why tools in general are best used and, um, applied from a professional and by a professional and introduced from and with a professional. Um, and that's, I think the biggest uh, hurdle in, in the dog training industry now with just balanced dog training and tools in general is finding that, that neutral ground of like okay let's allow tools but you have to make sure that you're buying these tools you know just like anything else there's a lot of you can't even buy certain like um like workout pills without getting it from a dealer because it's potentially like oh you could do it wrong you know type thing so anyway i would agree i would get yourself a little prong collar martingale collar or a slip collar or all three and see what what fits you best okay and this, if I type in slip collar for search, like on a search that I find is literally just like, it kind of is just like a rope. It's not like the ones that you make on your show. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like a rope that just like wraps around his neck. It just looks like a coiled leash. Yeah, those are good as long as you can get a thin one. So it's like a kennel leash. Um, it's That's good. It's basically like a slip collar, but it's, it's considered like a, um, hold on. I can actually go. I might have one. Let me go see if I have one really quick. I can show you the difference. Okay. Yeah. This would be like your your slip. So a slip like leash is essentially a leash that you hold in your hand that goes all the way down to the dog and has a little slip on it. So it's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like a leash and the slip collar combined and then the collar 
which is this, which is just your normal yeah. leash connected to the slip. Um, as long as you get a thin, like, slip leash, it's okay. good. If you, the, the bigger and bulkier you get, the less control you have. So, um, and, the, and the real difference is it's just, you know, the slip collar is going to be a little bit more defined because it's, it's right where you need to be. Um, it's just preference, really. I think, but just make okay. sure that, okay. yeah, yeah, just make sure the leash that you get is, is, is not like a big giant rope because that, that kind of okay. is hard to, to handle, especially with like a potential smaller dog. Um, so anyway. Yeah, so that, and it's like, um, he's not, he's really not consistent. Like if I'm walking with him around the neighborhood, like there's this one house where the dogs are on an electric fence. So they'll come running at him. He doesn't even react to that at all. But then if we're just, like, walking on, on a trail and somebody's, like, walking towards us, it's, like, full-blown, like, like, so, I, you know, yeah, I've been trying to, when we're on a trail and I see somebody else coming, I'll step to the side, ask him to sit. If he doesn't sit, then I'll do the pop. If he doesn't respond to the pop, then I'll touch his butt and he'll sit. Right. So that's what I've been, like, trying to do. Yeah, and I, I don't know if and that's again, correct. Yeah, and like that situation, that would be nice to have something that is a little bit more meaningful to your dog. And again, you're kind of like walking that rope of, you know, my dog is actually fearful. I have to be careful how much I punish them. But but I think the majority of times with your dog, you're probably dealing with more like, no, nah, I don't want to. Um, yeah. Or, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm a little bit insecure about this. I don't want to. And that will, um, you know, so like those types of things. Again, like if you look at your relationship with your dog, you, you if, if you give an opportunity for your dog to take control and disobey and say, I'm not doing it and get away with it, then that's what's creating a lot of the anxiety or stress and fearfulness of your dog. Because he's in his head, he's like, well, the person in charge really isn't in charge, which makes him yep. nervous. Um, and then when things happen, it's kind of like when you're home alone with your siblings and, you know, uh, you feel like you're under attack. You're just helpless. You're like, well, they're not going to do anything. It's not mom and dad, you know. You just have that mentality of like, you know, abandon all ships or everybody, everybody fend for themselves. And it, it sounds to me that Relish isn't looking at you enough for guidance um, because of those little situations. So yep. I, would, I would be going out and actively working on little tiny uh, exercises um, and demonstrating you as a leader by doing basic obedience and following through with, no, you have to do this when I say it. Um, and, and really just like restructuring your entire relationship with your dog on the leash to, yep. um, to, to help with that. Yep. And he like, he won't take treats. He's like not food motivated except like in the morning when it's just, when he first wakes up before I feed him breakfast, now I've been practicing the place. He'll do it for I will do it for like 10 minutes I'll do place and then I'll hide in another room and I'll say come and then I'm like working the place and come those um those commands yeah. with him since watching your videos and little things like I've never done before like I because I've never had a dog I didn't know I won't let him walk in the door first now since watching your videos so I'm like trying to work nice. on those things when we come back in from the walk, I want you to sit so I can take the leash off, like those types of things. So I'm trying to do those. So hopefully that will help with the confidence building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I like have all these? Oh, so another big issue. So the two, we had two nipping incidents. The first one, 
he's always been fine with other people previously. When my ex and I broke up and I moved back home, it was like relish is like, I'm, I'm the leader now. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't listen to me like, like exactly like you're saying. So I was at my shore house and my girlfriend was there. She had her dog in the house and my guy friend was going in to use the bathroom. And she, my girlfriend's like, Oh, careful. My dog doesn't like men. So he, the guy opened the door to go to the bathroom and my dog relish jumped up and nipped him on the leg. Like, on the thigh. So I didn't even know relish, you know, was nervous or anything. So once that happened, we took him to the military training. And I, my biggest thing is I don't want to set him up for failure. So if I ever had somebody come in the house, like I have, have him on the leash, but he'll be like full blown death bark, but the tail wagging at the same time. And it's just like, he's so confused. He doesn't know what to do. If he's inside and somebody's outside that he sees he's jumping up like a a jumping bean up the sliding door like going crazy so it's like what do i like i i know he senses me that i'm nervous because i he's nipped two people the other time he was fine with the person the person went to go move to pet another dog and he moved his arm quick and relish nipped his arm and he was on the i had him on the leash then but he was like being fine so i had the leash right there and then as soon as the guy moved relish was like nope and like nipped him but now he's fine with that guy. He could walk right into my house and Relish will run right up to him. So yeah. it's like, I don't want to set him up to failure. I don't feel like I want to ask too much of him, but it's just like, I'm a single person. What do I, if I do, if I get to the point where I meet somebody and I want to introduce Relish to him, like I can't live like what is the best yeah. recommendation for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think, you know, generally speaking, judging by what I'm hearing is he's not like an aggressive dog that is out for blood and trying to hurt people and, you know, has a bad demeanor. He's just, he's nervous. He's fearful. And, you know, yeah, he does like forward. He'll, he'll be like forward back. Mm-hmm. Fo- like he'll like go forward back and like, it's like, he's just uneasy. And I'll literally, I'm sure I'm holding my breath the whole time. Cause I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do. I'm nervous. I don't want him to fail. Right. All so, that. Yeah. So again, um, you know, it's it's really about you understanding the the whole thing, of, you know, the whole de- in-depth thing of what we're dealing with, the big picture here, and your obedience. Um, so making sure that you're, you know, you have any animal, you know, for the majority of, of, of animals, we'll say. I mean, majority, let's just say majority of animals, not any, but majority of animals, if they're, if they feel threatened or pushed into a corner, they react the only way that they know how. It's very instinctual, just like with us. You know, if somebody was, like, tackling us and trying to choke us or something, we're going to fight back. It's just very instinct. So um, same thing with with dogs for sure. And so you have to really do your part to make sure that you're setting him up for as much success as you can. Sometimes, you know, it's it's out of your control where you're like, okay, I never thought that would happen, you know, whatever. Um, but moving forward, you really just have to make sure that you are being extra careful Um you know, it's just like I tell my clients with dogs who are aggressive and don't like other dogs. There's a really good chance that they're never going to just like dogs. It's just, it's it's okay. I mean, that's totally fine. Yeah. You just have to realize y- your expectations of, of certain things to make yourself more successful, I think. So just having, when you have people over, when you have people around, knowing that, uh, you first of all, your obedience has to be really good, um, you know, in order for him to be really successful with you. That's big. Um, so telling him, you know, Again, doing his place, doing his sit, doing his stay, doing all that stuff and making sure that like he understands those things um, as well as uh, making sure that when you're working with him, um, he understands all these things 
but at the same time, you're also using those things in reality. So if you have friends and family over, you're working on this obedience and then also just making sure like, okay, you're not going to be paying attention. These people don't really care about my, you know, your dog's behavior. So maybe keeping your dog in, in a separated area and just telling people like, hey, my dog's nervous. Um, please don't go in here. If you need something, let me know. Like take an extra precaution to make sure, because a lot of people do, you know, they feel very stressed out. And it's like, I want to remove all the stress from that option by just, you know, having your obedience be good. And then also just telling people like, Hey, don't do this with my dog or whatever, or, you know, just keeping him safe. Um, and yeah, I- like I won't even bring him around. Like now it's like, if I'm have, and it's always been like this since the nipping incident, if I'm having people over, I bring him to my mom's house. Like I don't even have him here, but it's like, because mm-hmm. it's like eventually say if I do meet somebody and like, you want to have somebody over like, what do you, do I introduce him to him outside of the house, go on a a walk or, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was going to get to that. So when you're, when you're introducing your, you know, potentially fearful or reactive dog or whatever you want to look at it. uh, Yeah. I I always tell people like, you know, text that person, call that person, make him park in your driveway, just say, Hey, just walk up the road or whatever. And you just meet on neutral ground. So don't meet in the front yard. Don't meet in the driveway. Don't meet in the house, backyard, side yard, whatever. Just meet on neutral grounds and just go for a walk together. And once your dog realizes that that person is going to be with you for the next 10 to 15 to hour to two hour days, months, years, um, then that's all you really need to do. And now moving forward from that, as soon as you transition to inside, you have to be conscious about certain things, you know, for the majority of people, you know, with dealing with situations like this, you know, you could be working with resource guardians, watching out for bones, dishes, food, treats, whatever. But in your case, it's just like, Hey, when we go inside, don't look at him. Don't talk to him. Don't do anything to him. And you should should be fine. Um, but you know, that's guest management. That's, that's another side to it is training the people is sometimes a little bit harder. Um, and I think, you know, being conscious of a couple of different triggers, which would be if you guys are sitting down, relaxing, eating dinner, having coffee on the couch, whatever, it doesn't matter if you're doing something and then you change, right? Because the dog says, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this picture because you walked me into this picture, which means yep. you had him on the leash, you sat down with him, you dropped the leash, and then, you know, you know, whatever, X, Y, or Z gets up, and that changes the picture. So you have to yeah. some people. I, get, I I probably get that every day. People are like doesn't make oh. any sense. All of a sudden, you know, my friend got up and and boom, my dog. It's like, well, it's not just all of a sudden. It's your dog was okay with the circumstances, and that person that they're un- unsure of or afraid of changed those circumstances. And yep. so that's what triggers dogs like that. So just make sure that you know. Um, and you don't have to do that forever. You just have to do it for a little bit of time until that dog gets used to it, used to that person. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have too, too hard of a time doing it. Um, but again, you know, if that individual says, oh, well, don't worry. I've watched three seasons of the dog whisperer. I, I know. what." Oh I'm yeah. Doing. No, I don't listen. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. And then they go and they rub his face and they get bit and it's like, okay. You know? So anyway, so you just have to, you know, walk into it very calmly and and um, just set your dog up for success. And now if you say, okay, well, I don't really feel like babysitting right now, then again, place, down, stay, um, making sure he's crate trained where he's going to go in his crate and hang out and lay down and sleep, chew on a bone, and he's safe, you're safe. X-Pen, uh, making an area in the house where you can put him in and he can hang out and be by himself. And he's probably more more 
confident by himself and less stressed by himself too. Um, so th- those types of things I would be doing as well. Yeah, like he doesn't like when he when he's in those freak out modes, he doesn't really want to be coddled by me. Like he just is like, peace out, see you later. Like sometimes I'll go in the bathroom and check on him, but it's like mm-hmm. he's always in the bathroom where there's no windows. We have the noisemaker on, yeah. you know, the, the fan. I do the thunder jacket with the spray. I had bought CBD oil to try once, but like he won't eat that. So I might try like a treat. I know that you've talked about that on your channel. Do you recommend yeah. something like that with him? Yeah, I just bought some uh, today actually came in. Um, CBDMD um, has a good line. And I have a discount code K910, so C-A-N-I-N-E-10. Uh, gives you 10% off. And, um, you know, that's not really a plug. That's just, like, their product is good. They have a vast array yeah. of product. I use their product. Um, and they have chewable. So they have, so, my, so like, my older dog, she doesn't like crunchy treats because she's older and her teeth, you know, she's, like, 16. So um, soft food. She eats raw anyway, but soft food is, is best for her. So they have tinctures, chewables, um, soft chews, hard chews, um, CBD for joints, CBD for stress, CBD, you know, it's, it's, you know, they make a pretty good product. And so, um, it's a little bit expensive, but Hey, I mean, it's totally worth it. You know, for me, um, I have, you know, my St. Bernard is now 11, you know, 11 year old, 150 pound dog, you know, he's stiff and sore. And so using CBD for him, it's really great. Um, so anyway, yeah, I would recommend that, um, getting a good dosage and using that. I mean, it's definitely not, see, people think like, when we talk about CBD, it's like, oh, that's not going to solve it. It's like, no, it's not going to solve it. But um, it's definitely going to help take the edge it's off. It's another tool in the yeah. toolbox. <laughs> yeah, it's something that, you know, I give I give my dog CBD every day. And that works Um, nice. Yeah, because at one point I had talked to the vet and we were going to have him on, like, doggy Prozac or yeah. whatever. And then I just didn't feel comfortable because, they, you know, they say it affects the liver and then all the blood work you have to get done. And I just yeah. didn't, he just, the couple times that he was on it, I just felt like he was like out of it even more so than he normally is. Mm-hmm. And he's so nervous that when we first got him, like for the first few years, I have, I feed him chicken and rice daily because he was so nervous that he was like constantly having diarrhea, like just so many issues because he just gets so worked up all the time. He yeah. was on Tylen powder, probiotics, like prescription dog food. And I was like, all right, so now we're just going to do, we do the chicken and rice and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely recommend, um, doing like the, uh, the CBD and then, you know, the exercise and, yeah. and all that stuff. But I think the reality is, is like I said, excuse me, you're not going to be able to control like every variable in the world. It's just unrealistic. It's, yeah. it's not fair to even think about that. Um, but what I would be doing is a lot of desensitization to certain things. So getting out and just kind of pushing him through in small increments to get him like exposed to these things, putting him into a sit at a traffic light where there's things going on and just breathe, you know, kind of like taking that stuff in and acknowledging these things around him and just kind of getting him over his fears the best you can um, and, and expose him as much as you can. And um, that's what I would do is continue to like push the envelope to get him more successful by exposure, you know, within reason and fairness. Um, and then the other thing is, is just, again, um, you know, the physical exercise and the mental exercise with the obedience and doing all of those things. And then uh, one thing that we haven't talked about is with you. So making sure that you're acting, you know, the right way when this stuff happens too. 
um, like when you when you talked about like your your obedience uh, school type thing where he would shut down, like those are situations you really have to take advantage of to make things better by just kind of pushing him forward. So when you get a dog that shuts down on the leash and lays down and just won't move, your opportunity to just kind of push that dog along and say, nope, this is what we're doing, like, let's go, and just getting over that hurdle so he can't opt out whenever he feels like he doesn't want to do anything. So yep. what what not to do is just sit there and have a conversation and what's wrong, buddy? It's okay. It's just your favorite training camp, like blah, 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 blah. Like don't do any of that stuff. It's it's not a good not a good idea. Another question I have, if like, say there's a noise that I know he normally would go into panic mode about and say he doesn't react, do you reward that or do you not acknowledge that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think that's discretionary. Um, if you feel like he's actively working on it, where he's like, I heard that, but I'm not reacting. You could say, hey, good, you know, you know good, leave it or something like that, sure. But like, if he just doesn't react, like for me, I just try to like, you know, I, I'm very, I don't know. I'm, it's on the fly for me. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I've been in some situations, you know, like everyone else has in their life and you make it however you want it to be. You know, if you're just like, yep, no big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal, you know, but if you're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 what, 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 what? And you know, I'm, I'm really, I, that's one of my, um, it's one of my abilities in life is to like, you know, not make big deals, big deals. Um, I think that that has to do with a lot with my, you know, just, just, you know, sidetrack of just networking and just, you know, making, making things happen and just, you know, just, just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No problem. Like moving forward. Like I think it, I think it's part of being a confident individual where, uh, okay. and this is the same, not, I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about like dogs and you as a leader in general, like yep. you have to be confident of like, if something happens and you react, you're going to freak out the things that you're in charge of. I call it the um, flight attendant um, kind of oh, thing. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. if you hear something like on a plane, because people kind of are nervous about flying and, you know, and you see the flight attendants like and they're just handing out drinks and peanuts. and You're like, oh, no big deal. But as soon as they start running around and getting nervous, you're like, oh, crap. So similar stuff. So making sure that you, okay. so I guess I hope that that answers your question, but be confident. Yeah. Something flies at you unpredictable and you react like no big deal. Then it's not a big deal. It's, it's just like leadership slash parenting one one If you're in charge of something and you want to project a certain vibe, then you have to act a certain way. And a lot of that has to do with just ignoring little things that don't matter. And that's, you know, right. that's kind of, I think, advice to 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 everyone about you know just like little things not making life yeah, yeah 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 yeah. the more you make little things big deals it's you know it could be kind of daunting because everything is going to be a task yep so anyway and then the one the other he's very um what's the word uh like where he goes after squirrels and chipmunks a lot so like in the back and my mom's backyard, it's not fenced in. So we have them like on a 30 foot or 20, 20 foot lead type thing. So you can at least run around a little bit, but like they, there's all these rocks and chipmunks and stuff. Is that when I should be trying to work on like, leave it? Yeah. Um, I, 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 yes and no. I mean, I, I would say like, I want him and you know, I would want him to be, um, 
like exposed to those things, I think that that'll bring confidence out in a dog too. Or they kind of like, you know, the old saying of like chasing, chasing the rabbit down the hole is like letting him do that. So he can kind of realize that, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I'd be careful about that. I feel like if you feel like he's being like playful and kind of primalistic and like, Hey, there's something I got to go chase. I would almost encourage that to like get him out of his shell a little bit. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, my, my biggest thing is just like, I didn't, I don't about like those little things and should I not let him go in the hiding areas and stuff like that? Cause I, I've seen, I, I know I can watch your videos in terms of like for me to teach commands and what you recommend to do that. So my biggest questions are really on what your personal professional opinion is about the collar with him, knowing how anxious and nervous he is. And then if I should not be letting him go into the, the hiding places for these normal everyday things like flies and stuff like yeah, that. I would, I would, you know, again, it's, it's tough because it's, it's like if he's afraid and he runs away, it's like, it's going to be a full-time job for you to like stop him from doing those things. But, you know, like putting him on the leash more to like handle these things like a fly or, you know, whatever, or like, you know, the, the computer buzzing, like I would be putting him on the leash and like making him sit through these things. So he, Yeah. Know. I have like the 30, when, when I was, when we were trying to teach recall, I have like that soft 30 foot leash and I'll leave that on because my house is like 800 square feet, one level. So mm -hmm. I'll leave that on him. I'll shut the door so he can't go in. And then like when he tr tries to go over, I've been pulling the, the long leash and trying to say place to get him to go on place to relax. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's Is fine. That, that, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I think those were like my entire page full of typed up notes over here. <laughs> cool. Very good. Well, I, I would say just in general, just try to build his overall confidence through relationship building stuff, uh, obedient stuff on the leash, um, and continue to, to work at it. And then the things you can't control, just kind of walk right through it and, and try not to make it a big deal um, the best you can and, and help, you know, hold his hand, if you will, through those processes and just like, you know, help him become more confident. Yep. Um, once um, I'll be having the dog walkers, I was kind of waiting for everything to kind of blow over around here to sure. bring them back in. But it definitely helps because it's not, it's not he's fine when like with my friend's dog, but like I haven't really exposed him to too many dogs because to be able to even get him into puppy preschool and stuff, you have to pass all these tests. Mm -hmm. And then he's with me when he tries to do that. So then he goes berserk. So because I know I'm part of the problem or most of the problem. So it's just, you know, trying to find workarounds, but to still get him what he needs is yeah. the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So. That, you know, that's just, that's just life as it is now. Um, and I think you just have to like dive right into it and, and continue to work hard and get better at it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your videos. I'm glad that I found you in my like sleepless nights of dog searching on YouTube. <laughs> well, thank you for watching. I appreciate that very much. No problem. That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that this 
podcast was informative for you guys. I know that it was a good session talking about fear-based stuff and how to approach it because sometimes it gets sticky. So I hope this gave you some ideas, some new ideas, some creative ideas to do things differently, hopefully. Um, if you guys haven't yet, don't forget, leave a review in the review section below on the podcasting. We are growing and we are climbing the charts in the United States, in the UK, and Canada. It would mean the world to me if you guys would do that as well. Of course, if you guys want to enter to win some free No Bad Dog swag, Take a screenshot of this, share it on your Instagram, and tag me. I'll repost you and uh, automatically enter you to win some free stuff. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.